see everybody out tonight and you know it's uh, again we we don't like to speak in the absence of our pastor because that just means he's not here and you know you just uh, hope he has a speedy recovery and uh, the God give him the grace he stands in need of we always pray for that and uh, you know I don't know how many of you you know 
you think about whenever you're given the opportunity to do something, you always, you know, you either feel prepared or you don't. And you sometimes you see where your ideas come from, and you know, all everybody here who's ever taught a lesson, you sit and you think about it, you pray about it, and you, and then some things just keep coming right back to you. I mean, just it just won't won't quit, won't quit, just coming back. But you know, uh, back several weeks ago, I did a lesson with the kids. Uh, we were talking about. Um, it was one of our evening youth groups, and we were talking about, you know, the, the chapter of John 15, looking at where Christ talked about being the true vine, and we had a lesson on that, and then I do believe that maybe the week before that, we had talked about, you know, the parable of the sower in relation to, you know, the seed of the gospel being sown. Well, you know, when I have uh, these brochures, and I always, I always like to read about, uh, you know, I, th- I think it's neat how people have... Over time, you know, these farmers have been able to perfect just about, it seems like almost perfect techniques to make sure we got food on the table. Just all around the world, we have farmers of all cultures who take care of the, the people in their location. And we got people here in this country who are able to grow these mega farms. And, and you know, it all comes back to the same principles, but, but just on a magnified scale. You know, these farmers who do things, you know, whether you've got a little garden or whether you've got, you know, 10,000 acres that you're farming, the same principles come from, you know, something's planted, tended, harvested, and then, you know, obviously enjoyed. But, you know, the one that, uh, that I just kept coming back to, and the other night it was kind of kind of fitting that I was uh, looking at one of these brochures, and then, uh, then I spoke to uh, Brother Stephen's dad down there, and I heard him talking to one of my boys. He needed some help getting rid of some branches over at his farm. And I knew what that was all about because, you know, you take... For instance, I've got two trees up there that probably need some branches taken out of them, but I don't know how many he's got over there, and I bet he's got a whole lot of branches to get rid of on that farm. I know Stephen's told me, you know, about loading wagons and whole wagon loads of old treetops and branches and dead limbs, trimming time, pruning time. But, you know, we're going to look at John chapter 15 here in just a moment again, just as something that I think uh, it was sort of solidified when I talked to him there just briefly the other night, and then... What really capped it off is last night whenever I was putting my computer down, the edge of that brochure was sticking out again. It's called Releasing Your Fruit Trees. And you know, um, several years ago, and I don't know what year it was, around 89 or 90 or sometime, Dad ended up buying this farm down here. And uh, back on those old flats, there were a couple of old trees back there. And you know, for most people, you'd have never recognized them as apple trees, except you know, you just go back there and you see the fruit. And I always thought that was so amazing because I had no idea that, you know, that's a very common thing for people still to find old fruit trees around these hillsides where people, you know, homesteads once were, but then, you know, pastures grow in, you know, people stop tending the grasslands and, you know, trees kind of crowd them out. But those trees, because they're so hardy and have such a hardy root, they will stay right there and continue to live, but they do not produce. And, you know, and I remember, uh, I remember several years ago, we were back there on that flat, back there behind uh, Cindy and Johnny's place, and there was an old tree, and it stands right on the, edge of the, on the edge of the pasture, and sure enough, as soon as we cleared that, 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 everything around it, it started blooming and started producing fruit. I just couldn't believe it. Old stalk. It produced so much one year that it killed itself. It really did. I mean, I never saw anything like it in my life. We tried to prop it up, tried to tie it up. But it got to where it produced so much that it literally just broke itself in half. And, and that's just amazing that it sat back there for I don't know how many years. Just sat back there with all that potential. But as soon as it was released, it showed what it really could do. It could do so much it, it, could, it could overbear itself, which was totally amazing to me. But what we're going to look at today is, you know, whenever we look at John chapter 15, we know that Christ was trying to be applicable to people all around him. And I say this all the time, it amazes me that he talked to people right on their level. You know, I I think it's amazing that people can understand Greek and all these other things, but, you know, whenever people speak right on your level, take it, you know, straight from the scriptures and put it right, you know, where you can understand it. That's amazing. And you know what? Jesus looked at those people and realized that the people who were the most learned were most of the time the hardest to reach because they thought they knew it all. But you notice right here, he's talking to people who no doubt had seen it hundreds of times in their life, trees with potential that had never been tapped. But we're going to look at John chapter 15. We'll read 1 through 8 and then we'll pray. 
And it says, I am the true vine, and my father is a husbandman. And every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word that I, which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I am him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered. And men gather them, and cast them in the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done to you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so ye be my disciples. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for the day and for your watch care over us. And Lord God, I do pray that these words will be your words. That God, just uh, give me remembrance of the things that I've studied. and uh, Just give me a grace to speak it, God, that would be a blessing to the people here. Again, pray for our pastor to get him back here safely and soon. And Lord, just forgive my sins. Ask in Jesus' name. Amen. As we look at Christ in these words, we notice that the one thing he wanted people to realize is that he was the vine. He was the vine. And you know, no matter what your state in life is, a born-again believer is not their own Savior. Christ was clearly saying that He was the one who you had to derive everything from if you were going to be a productive, fruitful Christian. And you know, whenever we look at Christ being, being that perfect stalk, you know, I was reading a brochure not too long ago and it was talking about if you find an old fruit tree on your farm and it gave steps that a person could do to see if the tree was, abs- was still viable, to see if you could save that tree for future fruit production. production. One of the things it said, the first thing you had to do was assess the tree. And, you know, I don't know how you give a tree a test, but I think you just look at it. You kind of look at it and see its overall condition. You know, some trees, you know, from just looking at them, you can tell by looking they probably have not much life left in them. But, you know, the one thing that we can do with that step right there is toss it out whenever it comes to this particular scripture. Because, you know what, to assess the tree is to assess Christ in this situation. We know the potential of Christ. We know that through Christ all things can be done. And we know that if we look at Him as the, as the true vine, He is the tree, then you know what? We look at Him and he, He's everything we need. So there is potential in us if we're living in Him. But one thing we need to look at is one of the things I thought was really, really unique is the very next step that it told you to do whenever you release a tree was to remove everything around it that is going to provide shade. You know, if you go over to that uh, delicious fruit, you'll find out out there in the middle of those flats, there's not a whole lot of sunlight that doesn't reach there. It's all open for a reason. They don't let trees grow around the apple trees for a very good reason because they know that sunlight is one of the key ingredients to anything pretty much that you farm. But we're going to take a look at something here. If you would, go to Matthew chapter 5. Go to Matthew chapter 5. And we're going to look at a few verses here, and these are very common verses, and we know that these verses apply to many parts of our lives. But to remove all the surrounding debris and shade is to the benefit of everything that you want to grow. And it says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. You know, whenever a light is to be a light, it's to do, it to, I mean, it carries out such a great thing. These lights are held up high for a reason. For you and I to be a light, well, there can't be anything shrouding us. You know, whether, whether it's, it's a personal choices we make, whether it's the language we choose, whether it's the things that we indulge in, so many things can bring shade to our life to where we cannot be as productive as we could be. And, you know, it depends on, uh, depends on what you do. You know, some people spend a lot of time with a lot of mixed group of, groups of people from different, different types of faiths, from different types of lifestyles. But if we're living a life where we blend right in with that crowd, but we don't stand out like that light, like that city on a hill, then you know what? We as part of that vine 
we as part of the branch of that vine, we are not doing what our potential could be. You know, I know that there have been times in every one of our lives where we, we knew at that very moment that, and not in a boastful way, but we said the right thing, or we, we really were a good example for Christ. Maybe we, we stood up for a position on something. Maybe it was that you were able to witness to a group or to a person, and you knew right at that moment that, you know what, I said the right things, and I believe that God was in that because he, I, you felt His Spirit working in you. But we've also all probably been in that situation where we didn't say what we should. We let sort of, you know, maybe an excuse get in the way and kept us sort of shaded to where the fruit that we produced was not what our, the greatest potential that it could have been. And I believe that, you know, whenever we think of that, whenever we look at removing all the debris around us, that could be so many different things. And I tell these kids all the time, you know, the battles that prior generations had to fight where the bat were big. But the battles these kids face today, well, they're big battles too. And so the debris that these kids have to sort through is not necessarily the same kind of debris that you know that all the adults in this room have had to dig through and had to prune away and had to fight. And we've got to understand that, that even though the situations may change, the generations may change, the need for self-pruning to get things out of our way never will change. You know, the people who Christ taught then... They had things in their life that needed to change. Ceremonialism and so many different things had to be removed. And you know what? In our lives, can't we all agree that you know, there are things in our lives that probably could be a little sharper, could be a little better. And I think that, that's what, how it applies to us still today. If you would go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. You know, we're not to dwell in darkness. We're not to, we're not to, we're not to live in a way, you know, I know it's kind of one of those old statements, not to live in a shady kind of lifestyle. And I mean, that, that's applied. I mean, that's a statement for a reason because, you know, something that's shady is not, you know, the light's not really being portrayed or exhibited. But in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 1, it says, But of the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so, shall, so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. This verse is very important. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that the day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are children of light, and the children of the day. We are not of the night, nor of darkness. You know, that's a very important <coughs> reminder and you know, every now and then, every one of us need that kind of reminder, whether it's from another brother or sister or from even God's Word to remind us, wait a minute, you're not of the darkness. If you're born again, you, you're born again to be what it's saying there, to be a, a child of the light. And you know, that light can only be at its most brilliant if there's not a lot of things shading and shrouding you. And you know, the one thing I think is just encouraging there is that's what these words are. They are words of encouragement. You notice these words aren't blaming or, or finger pointing. It's saying, no, I want to remind you that remember, you are children of the light. And you know, getting back to that original thought of those trees, you know, I didn't, you know, I'd never given a whole lot of thought, but you know that there are actually people who farm oak trees for the, for the acorns. I had no idea that there was a market for acorns. I mean, I, there are people who farm just about anything. But I was reading and watching these people who go out in these forests and they can pick out an oak tree that they know will be the, will produce the best because they sell them. I mean, they sell them for all kinds of things. And they do the same thing that we would do with a fruit tree. They get rid of everything around them. And some of them may just be standing and real thin, but the next couple of years they show time progressions, and the next thing you know they have these beautiful canopies on these big old trees. But you know what? If they never had anything trimmed around them, they just exist. And you know, isn't it a shame for any of us to go through life just existing? You know, knowing the potential we have, and it's not, again, it's not a boastful thing to say that you have potential, I mean, would you ever look at your kid and say, you're useless? I mean, you have no potential whatsoever? Absolutely not. But God looks at us and he, he, he tells us, you know, you have potential. You can be just like this. And, you know, I know that as a 
as a very human person, you know, there, there's a lot of times when we don't stop and examine, and that keeps us just being ordinary. So if you just consider, if you, if you had a fruit farm, there's no way in the world you would ever look out there and say, you know, it's doing okay, I know it could do a lot better, but you know, I'm just going to be satisfied with the way it is. Because that's exactly the way the world wants us to be. The world wants us to be hushed up. It wants us to be ordinary, blend in, fit in, just, just let everything just be around you. But you know what? The Scriptures tell us, if you take this as, as the way it's supposed to be, if there's no light reaching you, that light being Christ, then you can't be a real good exhibit of the light itself. And we will not produce the fruit that we should. Now I'm going to tell you another thing that the brochure told me that I thought was pretty neat. Now it mentioned getting rid of everything that was around the tree. But you know what else it mentioned? It said the next step was to get rid of everything under the tree. Never thought of that. Well, you know, if you, if you again, you think about it, and I found a good example of it over behind Cindy and Johnny's house is this giant old apple tree. And uh, I went over there to look at it, and it has a massive honeysuckle vine growing up through it. And also has a multiflora rose. I don't know how tall the tree is. I'm guessing 25 feet. That multiflora rose is 25 feet tall. However tall the tree is because it's growing right up through the tree. And you know, if you think about all those things, what those are going to do. First of all, the roots are going to be taken straight from where the tree roots are. Think about it. Secondly, as it grows up that tree, it's going to shade branches. And have you ever seen what honeysuckle can do to a branch? It can literally do what's called girdle. It, it can just completely squeeze it off. And you see people carve these canes out of those girdled trees. That's exactly what honeysuckle does. And it begins to smother out all the potential. So removing undergrowth is just the same as re re removing the overgrowth. You have to remove things that are going to remove your potential. If you would go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians 15. And, you know, this is one of the things I remember, oh my goodness gracious, and I, I hear my boys talk about this all the time. I never have understood why people have to use filthy language. I've, I've, it just one of those things that it just, I've never seen anything like it, how that people will take a foolish word and use them over and over and over. It's, I mean... I remember nearly, well, just about getting myself into some trouble because I asked somebody if I could bring them a dictionary to work the next day so they could learn some new words. And they didn't take it. But, you know, I was so tired of hearing the same nonsense all the time. But, you know, it doesn't have to be a dirty word to be a bad word. You know, bad communication can go in so many different directions. People who can never see anything good in the world. You know, so many Eeyore kind of people who, if you ask them, how are you doing? And then you think, oh no, I knew better than to ask them. Because you know you're getting ready to hear everything that's wrong with them, their family. And it's just going to, I mean, you better just take a seat and you know it. So, you know, look at verse number 33 says, Be not deceived, evil communications corrupt good manners. You know, we can do so much better. I can do so much better. When people ask, you know, or people get, you're given the opportunity to say anything. Rather than dishing out what the world typically gives, dig a little deeper every now and then. Let's hand them something worth hearing. You know, there are so many people, as soon as you see them, I mean, if the sun's shining, it's too hot. If the rain's falling, it's too wet. If the rain's not falling, it's too dry. And there's never anything good. Why can't we look around us and realize just how blessed we really are in the spite of wet times, dry times, hot times, cold times? Aren't we all so blessed? And you know, we think about it in a, in a, in a, from a Christian's perspective. Guys, the world has no hope. The world outside Jesus has zero hope. I mean, there's, there's none. They can have fleeting moments, days, weeks, months, even years of good times, but they have no eternal hope. And if, if they know, if the world knows that we are born-again believers, but everything that comes out of our mouth is negative, is something to tear down, is something to, to degrade, 
then you know what? The world is going to measure us up and say, well, if that is exactly, you know, if that's being like Jesus, then he was a whole lot like me, so I must be okay. Friends, if we're going to do that, we're going to be just like that tree that's never tended to. We will, we will be the tree. We'll be part of that tree representing Christ, but not shining for Christ. We will be, people will say, hey, that's, that's a Christian. You know, there are lots of branches on that true vine who don't really look like they're producing fruit. That's what Christ was trying to tell us, is that if we have things to, to get rid of, we need to. And also, some things to correct, we need to. Better communications. Go to Psalm chapter 1, and I mentioned this morning that this was going to be part of the lesson. The Psalm chapter 1. Again, remember, this talk about removing undergrowth, things that are underneath that are going to rob you of potential. And I've often thought of that. You know, it's just amazing to think about. If you, if you apply this to even your garden, to something not even a fruit tree, if you've got plants out there and underneath of them are weeds, they're just kind of growing up through the beans, growing up through the corn, growing up through the tomatoes, well, every farmer in here knows that it's not benefiting the plant, it's robbing the plant. And Christ is clearly saying that we need to make sure that we are not allowing things to rob us. But chapter 1, verse 1 through 3, says, Blessed is a man... That walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law doth meditate day and night. And he should be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, and bringeth forth his fruit in the season. His leaves shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. I think those are encouraging words. We see how that, you know, these, these trees that really are right beside the river where they have so much of everything that they need, they spring up early. They produce all the foliage and what they are meant to do all season long and never really seem to struggle. And it's because what they have is there beneath them. And, you know, you think about, again, that poor old tree that has all the briars and everything kind of growing up through it. Those roots of that tree are competing with those nasty briars that we know are part of a terrible curse to rob it. As individuals, if we know in our life there are things that really need just removed right here around us, then I think it's our obligation to realize that our potential can never be reached for Christ if we're just allowing those little things around us to continue to rob us. And, you know, again, I believe that every person in here has personal things that we know that we could either do less, not do, or remove ourselves totally from, and we would be closer to God. Now notice the next thing in that brochure that told us, you know, to remove this debris in the shade, remove undergrowth, but the next one was to remove dead branches. Um, I know that if you look at a tree of any kind, a dead branch is a sign of something really bad going wrong with that tree. You look at some of these trees in the woods, and I've always been amazed, you know, you see some of these some of these healthy trees look like they never have uh, anything wrong with them. I know there was one, and it fell a couple years ago up around that line between Jamie and I. From one side, that tree was beautiful. I mean, it was, it's a white oak, and it's about this big around. It was absolutely beautiful. But if you walked around the back side of it, years and years and years ago, something happened probably up near the crown, and there was this big rotten spot all the way down the side, all the way to the ground. And you know, I believe if you, you think about it, and we've all seen this happen, if you leave that canker up there on top of that tree, it will, it will find its way all the way down and kill that tree. And it really did, didn't it? I mean, it's laying up on the ground right now. And you know, think about our lives. If we know there are parts or elements of our life that person looks at it and says, man, that, that is a glaring issue right there. And again, think about our lifestyles. If we go places we know we shouldn't, I believe that's like dead and dying branches that really need to be removed. If we, if we conduct ourselves in a way, uh, if we do things that uh, bring open shame through this covenant right here, if it's something that breaks that covenant up there and it's a glaring, hey, here it is, it's in the wide open, that's like those dead branches that are hanging that tree and when we consider our lives, you know what the world's going to see? They're not going to see anything but the bad. You know that. I mean, they're going to look at you. They're not going to see that you were at church on Sunday or that you taught a class on Sunday. They're not going to see that you, you brought your kids to church your whole life. You know what they're going to see? They're going to see that one thing that stands out. Right there it is. And I believe that the Scriptures would have us to do just that, remove those dead, the, the evidence of death. 
If you notice, it said, go to 1 Thessalonians 5. 1 Thessalonians 5. And we're going to look at one verse, verse 22. And I believe that this verse today has been forgotten by so many. 1 Thessalonians 5, 22. Abstain from all appearance of evil. I don't think you can make it any more plain than that. If you know what the word abstain means... Stay away from, don't take part in it. Appearance of evil. Think of all the things the Scripture pertain, you know, tells us is wrong or not right, is unjust. We are to stay away from it. We're not to be part of it. And you know, again, this morning I mentioned people wrong place, wrong time. That does happen. I mean, there are, there are times and situations where you may be totally innocent in a situation and maybe you haven't willfully put yourself in that situation. But you know what? Most cases when we are partaking in something that it has the appearance of evil, we probably put ourselves there. And if that's the situation, we have got to, and I'll tell you this right now, um, and, I, and I mean this, if, if we do things wrong and that Holy Spirit works on us, and, and for all the kids in here, if you're ever in a situation where you're thinking, man, I shouldn't do this, you know what? That's probably not your parents talking. You know what? That's probably the Holy Spirit talking to your heart because that's exactly, He's a whole lot bigger than your parents. And I believe that that's exactly, God gives each one of us here who's a born-again believer, you know, that, that, that inner, I guess you'd say that Holy Spirit, that directive, that guide to help us realize, you know what? I should probably not do this, go here, do that because that's that appearance of evil. And you know what? That one situation could be something that tarnishes for years. Now, so you think about this, removing dead branches, go to Proverbs chapter 4. Now, I love the book of Proverbs because it's one of those, you know, I mentioned earlier, things that are plain, things that are easy to understand. I believe that anybody could read the book of Proverbs and come away with a better understanding of how we should live. Proverbs 4, verse number 14 Enter not in the path of the wicked, and go not in the way of the evil man. Avoid it, pass not by it, turn from it, and pass away. And you know, I remember, I'm trying to think of, uh, trying to think of, but there, there was a little cartoon several years ago, and it's an old one, probably, probably from like the Great Depression era, and I remember how that, you know, this... Uh, in the background, you could see this what they, the, the bright lights of a town, you know, and it was a little dark cartoon, but there was one little area, and it almost reminds you of like Pinocchio, what they call that place Pleasure Island, you know, and, that, and exactly, you watch that, that, that show always creeped me out, I never could watch the thing, but you know, that place called Pleasure Island was so inviting. You know what it clearly tells us right here, don't even pass by it. You know, the world is so good at tempting us that, that it's, it's right in our face. And you know, um, here, what was in September, they passed the, the sports gaming laws here in Kentucky. And I'm amazed with how many places have sprung up. And, uh, you know, used to be you know, one of those things that people would, you know, hide in the alleys and gamble. And now they have buildings that are, you know, literal arenas for people to gamble in here in Kentucky. And, and I'm always amazed with it. If you see a billboard for one of them down at the bottom, they have that, you know, problem gambling, you know, call whatever that gambler number is. And they feel that, that that is okay. And you know what? That's exactly the way that a lot of Christians, we live our lives where we're like, well, we can repent. I mean, if I get addicted to gambling, there's a number I can call right there, right? Well, a lot of people handle Christianity the same way. They're like, well, if I indulge in this, Christ will forgive me. But is it really worth the tarnish walking around with those dead dangling branches that you know the whole world's going to see? They're going to witness it. They're going to see that you're not what you say you are. And you know, uh, you think of this right now. Remember, if you're a branch, you are a part of the vine. Look who you're bringing shame to. It's not, it's not shame on you, but you know, you're bringing shame to Jesus. You know, that vine, that, that, that tree that we're abiding in. And that should be enough to really kind of stir our minds. But go to Proverbs. While we're here, we'll go to 24. Proverbs 24. 
We'll look at verse number 1. And this one right here, I believe, is very hard because whenever you do see, and there are scriptures to, to tell you about this, that whenever you see bad people prosper, it makes you scratch your head sometimes, doesn't it? It does me. I mean, I look at it and I'm thinking, I'm not fully understanding this whole concept, but you want to know what? I'm going to follow what this says. Be not thou envious against evil men, neither desire to be with them. Um, I know that it was uh, several years ago, uh, Jamie had mentioned, and you know, and I'm certain that he's probably had a whole lot of these situations, but he was doing some consulting for somebody, and I think they offered him like a big decanter of some sort of fancy whiskey or something, and you know, and, and you take, and he, he's not because he remembers that, but you know, people will try to be like, because they want to just kind of, that's, that's their basic conducting of business, you know, that's, that's the way they do things. And uh, I remember him telling them, no, they can hang on to it, you know, but here's the point. There are so many people, the world does dangle that sort of thing out there. Hey, I'll tell you what, you're, you know, we really appreciate your services. You know, come right on in, come right on in. And, and uh, guys, it's so easy. It's so easy. And these teenagers, and, and for all of you parents, talk to your teenagers because you need to realize that, that they're seeing battles and are going to see battles that you never dreamed of whenever you were growing up, how easy it is for them to be brought into crowds. And you know what a lot of times those crowds do? They close the door behind you when you're in. So again, think of this. It's clearly telling us not to be envious. When we see people who are evil, they prosper, they, they seem to have it all just figured out. Don't desire to be part of that. Because again, whenever you look around, you don't see those people growing from the same vine that you are. And we've got to realize, don't allow those dead and dangling branches, those bad decisions to be something to haunt you. And you know, one of the greatest things also, you know what I, I told you, it says remove dead branches. Thank God that our God allows us to repent to have those things removed. You know, really, because what if we did, then we, just like I told you, that tree, it stood there beautiful, probably no telling how old that tree was. But if that top would have been removed... Before, or that bad part would have been removed before that canker could have gone all the way down. It could have been spared. Now, if we would go to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, the very next step in that brochure told me that now that you have all the external things removed and plus you are removing the dead, that there are also some things that were alive that have to be removed. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Now, I know that um, any tree can get these things called water sprouts or suckers that grow up them. And, you know, if you, if you raise tobacco or even uh, raised you know, tomatoes now, you know that every now and then there are things called suckers that God be removed. And those things are literally doing what they said, what their title calls, and they're sucking the nutrients, the, the, the things that the top really, really needs. And if you ever notice, like if you have any yard fruit trees, You'll notice that down near the bottom and up the stalk, there'll be these beautiful, shiny little branches that'll spring out all along the bottom. And you think about how many nutrients were on their way up that tree, but because of that one little branch, or that little sucker coming out, instead of going up to where the fruit's going to be born, it goes right out that little sucker, and those things grow fast. And that brochure made mention that if you see any growth coming off the roots, off the stalk of the tree that's those little shiny suckers that are not beneficial before the crown of the tree to remove them because that's exactly what they're going to do. It's going to be like an exit for all the nutrients to go to the wrong place. And we've all made wrong turns. And think about it. If you kept on that wrong turn, you end up in a bad place. But it's uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 14. 2 Corinthians six fourteen. It says, Be ye not equal, unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with, uh, with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness? You know, again, we cannot be so shallow to think that what we do, build a commune, and everybody lives in one little village, and hang out with the same kind of people. Well, you know, I guess you can try if you want to, but you know, here's what, you know, again, we are not to bind ourselves with any kind of a union that's going to be something ungodly, but we are to try to surround ourselves with the best people possible in every situation. You know, here in this church, whenever we come before this body, 
to become a member of this body, whether through, you know, through salvation, through, through transfer membership, or however we come, you know, that is because we are seeing this group of people as being like-minded. You know, if we are like-minded in Christ, then we are going to be the best examples possible, and we're going to remove ourselves from other groups. And you know, if you've, if you've ever known somebody who, who was really confused in their religion, as they were brought up in a way where the Scriptures well, were used partly to create a religion, and you talk to them after they, you know, after, and I've got uh, some evidence of things on CDs and tapes of people who were converted out of you know, Catholicism and such, and they realize that, wow, we were, we were just being given you know, what was going to keep us in line with their edicts and their teachings. We were never really given the truth. And then whenever they find themselves in a body of like-minded believers, it's eye-opening for them, and they just cannot get enough. And you know, whenever we, whenever we trim these trees back and get rid of all the sprouts and all the shade-creating branches, then that's what we can do. We'll look around and we're like, wow, growing feels good. And you know, whenever you're reading the Scriptures, it feels good to understand it. You know, there are times that I read something that I, I know I've read before and, and you scratch your head and you wonder, wait a minute, I thought I understood this verse. But you know what? Maybe it's because I didn't pray before I read or there's something that's in my way to keep me from hearing it the way I should. And again, that would be like those shade-creating you know, branches. Now, it mentioned also not just the suckers, but it said you, you need to get rid of things that are going to cause the outward branches to receive shade. And a lot of those trees over at Delicious Fruits don't even have look like, have like a, a main stem or a crown. It's like it's gone and all the branches go out. I never did understand that until I read all these brochures and things and, and these farmers tell you, say, hey, that, that middle is going to go up and it's going to shade everything around it just like all those other trees you removed. So you've got to get rid of it. If you will look at 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy 2. And I think this is so neat for us to see how that, you know, that we are to, to really try to live a life that removes the nonsense. It says, uh, chapter 2 and verse 1, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit, thou faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. You know, if we're not conducting ourselves in a way that's going to produce fruit, we, can't, we cannot be somebody who is going to be an example or teacher of anything. Thou therefore endure hardness as of a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warth entangled himself the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. And if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned except he strive lawfully. Think of that. It's clearly telling us that we have to do things in an honest and correct fashion to actually become what it says to strive for masteries. And it's not, again, that we're trying to earn, earn our way into heaven. It's that others around us might be able to see, again, it's called fruits. The people can actually be part of that. And we've got to realize that, you know, whenever we've got that tree to where it needs to be, there are also, you know, we talked about all the things you've got to remove, but there are also things that can be added to that tree. And if you would, turn to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. And Psalm 119 has a lot of verses that, re, that um, refer to the Scriptures themselves, have us to look at God's Word. 119.105 So if we've got the tree trimmed, we've got everything removed that needs to be removed, and we expect growth, it says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. If we expect ourselves to grow and we don't read the Scriptures, if we don't pray, we are deceiving ourselves because the growth is not going to come. The spiritual growth will be stagnant, it will be slow, and may not ever happen if we don't open God's Word. You know, I, I think of this often. If you've ever held a job where you had to, um, I'm certain a brother Jeremy probably has to read technical manuals or figure things out, go to trainings and things. 
And if he chooses not to follow those directions, his employment will likely be short-lived because there are probably lots of things that he could do wrong. You know, dealing with medical equipment, there's probably not a whole lot of leeway whether you do it right or you do it wrong because you know what? People's lives depend on it. But you know what? We have so many people who wait till Wednesdays and Sundays to get fed and never any other time. You know, they are, I'll tell you what they're doing. People are choosing very openly, without saying it, I get enough from the preacher. I, need, I, don't, I don't need to help myself. You know, I don't know about you all, but I do not wait for somebody to put food in my mouth. I mean, I'm not going to. If I ever get needy, please feed me. I mean, really. But I'm just saying that I'm not going to wait. There have been times Steph's called and said, well, what are you all going to eat? I've already eaten. I'm not, I've told him before, I'm not going to go hungry. But we have Christians who, again, between now and Wednesday, they, they might hear something on radio. They might read a devotion, but God's Word's not open. But God's Word is that light. It's, it's what we really, really need. It's the fertilized for life. It's what gives us our hope. And, you know, again, in any profession, if you've got some sort of a tutorial or a guide and you don't follow it, employment's not going to look real good. Whenever the bosses get together and talk about your the need for you in the business or in the organization, you might not be on the right side of the talk. But now let's look at verse number 30, same, or I'm sorry, 130, same chapter. Look what it says. The entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding unto the simple. One of my names is in that verse, and that's simple. Okay? That, i got a very simple mind. And you know something? God's word gives all the grace and all the light that simple people need. And if I fit right in that category, and you know what? Whenever I read this, there again are parts I don't even I don't understand. In God's time, He's going to reveal to me what I need to understand through prayer, through continued reading, and a closer walk. So if we get if we are part of that vine, if we are a branch on that vine, friends, think of how we could apply all this to our life. If we, are, if we are living a life where we're, we are purposefully and willingly removing the things from our life that are going to hinder our growth, we could go through this life being such a better testimony for God. And if you would, go to Hebrews chapter 10. The last step in that brochure that I read, and I really enjoyed it because I thought it was kind of cool to see that you know the person didn't mean for it to be scriptural, but that's the way I saw it. I thought it was just so neat. But you know, the next thing they said was to maintain what you did. It simply meant that each year there may be things to trim. Each year there may be undergrowth to get rid of. Each year apply the fertilize. And it was called maintenance. You know how we maintain? We maintain our walk with God by staying close to God. We know that uh, the Scriptures tell us to draw nigh to God and He'll draw nigh to us. But here's another way that I believe that we can maintain being a fruitful per person, part of that vine. Hebrews 10, 22. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for He is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as a manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. We need to make sure that in this life that we live, we abide in Christ, that we're doing everything we can to be a good example of the people we're around, whether it's just your family or it's your co-workers, the people that you, any person you find yourself in the company of, we need to make sure that we are maintaining. But you know what? Right here, this church body, it is so important for us to be here to encourage one another. You know, uh, the, world, the world can offer comfort. You know, I, I do. I have a lot of people out in that world that I love, people who never go to church. Never darken the door of a church. Unbelievers. But you know what? They know where I'm at right now. They know that I'm not where they are. But they know that here's, my, here's where I need to be because this is where I believe I'm going to grow. And you know what? That's the way we should express ourselves. We should do our best to be here that we can actually grow together. 
But go to Ephesians chapter 5. This will be the last verse we read. Ephesians chapter 5. And you know, the world wants us to be like them. And we need to realize that we cannot let the world own us, even for a moment. And, I, and again, I think about it, you know, I think of, those, uh, think of those dead branches. And I know that whenever a person, uh, if you go to any of those timber classes, they have a name for those dead branches in the very top of those trees. They call them widow makers. That's exactly what they call them. And you know what? Think about that in the context of what we're talking about. It brings death. You know, we can bring death to our testimony if we do not keep it in the way it needs to be. And I want you to notice in Ephesians chapter 5, look what it says. We're going to start looking at uh, verse number 6. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them, for ye were sometimes in darkness, but now are you light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Isn't that neat? It reminds us, here's what you were, here's what you are, now maintain it. For the fruit of the Spirit in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord, and have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Now don't you find some irony in the fact that it talks about unfruitful and darkness all in the same thing? I mean, we're talking about a fruit tree. We're talking about a fruit vine. And clearly earlier, you know, it mentions, you know, we can't be in darkness. And a fruit tree today cannot be in darkness and provide. And it says, For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore, he that saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. Then see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Think of how what, what a great opportunity we have every time we're around people who we work with and our families if we take the time to personally examine. And you know, again, this, this lesson I, I don't think was just accident because every person, every day I wake up and I know there are things I can do better, every one of us, if we're honest, but you know, I believe that God's Word is here for us. How is the world ever going to see the light if we don't bear the light? And how is the world ever going to take part or benefit from the fruits that the Scriptures talk about if we don't bear them? So I think it's kind of just a personal challenge that we would look at our lives Sharpen them up to where you know we can actually be an example and witness to the world around us. And I do believe in that, that when we go away from any situation, that we come away with peace. And you know what? The world cries for peace, but I think the greatest peace is knowing that we've walked, we've, we've really been a good example for Christ, and we can do that by working in His Word. Thank you. 